Sonic Statesman.com. Well, hello and welcome, everybody, to Sonic Talk number 126. I forgot there was a significance to the 125th one, which is, as uh, Mark Jakes P um, pointed out, it's five by five by five, which I suppose is five uh, cubed. Not cubed. What am I talking about? Yeah, yeah, cubed. it is cubed. That is right. Gosh, <laughs> thanks, mate. <laughs> that was that was Rich Hilton. Uh, well, for those of you who are joining us in the live chat room this week, uh, welcome, one and all. Of course, uh, if you haven't been there before, and this is the first time you've heard about it, you can find us there around about 4pm on the UK Wednesday afternoon. SonicState.com forward slash live. <clears throat> this is Sonic Talk number 126. Uh, we'd just like to say um, the two sponsors for the show are loopmasters.com and roland.co.uk slash phantom g more from them and their messages a little later on but we want to say thanks for sticking with us and um we do appreciate it so let's get on to my present guests uh we've got well you first you heard rich hilton so let's say hello richard hilton from chic le crib on the other side of the pond how are you richard i'm um, very well thank you you're sounding very, well. very radio too oh good i'm uh i'm preparing you're feeling radio yeah i'm feeling radio Yes, I haven't got a cold this week, so loopmasters.com rather than loopmasters, which sounds like a completely different proposition. <laughs> what happened with that? Uh, well, actually, uh, for those people who actually emailed uh, loopmasters, I got an email from the proprietor because um, I said, oh, somebody said they hadn't got a, a response, and they actually went to, he's on holiday in Brazil, and he forgot to mention it, so he said, um, you'll have to wait just a little while until he gets back. But he is, it's in hand, so sorry for the delay, folks, but uh, people do have to have holidays once in a while, and he's having his. So, uh, uh, Matt, I hope you're having a lovely time. The Copacabana, da, 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 and all that sort of thing. That's in Brazil, isn't it? Ipanema is. Ipanema, yeah. <laughs> Phew, you just saved me from a tumbleweed moment there, mate. <laughs> The other voice you heard there was Dave Spears from G4Software.com. Hello. Hello. How's your back? Oh, sorted. Oh, brilliant. You're back from lifting extremely heavy vintage instruments, I might add, not from any other anything else. No, no. It was, um, yeah, moving all this nonsense in the room. Uh, no, but my lady was brilliant. She was absolutely brilliant. No pain. None of that kind of wrenching and tugging, just quite a lot of pressure points. And the day, uh, two days later, I could walk. Oh, result. And, of course, uh, well, g4software.com for uh, all your Dave Spears-related products. And um, Mark Tinley. Hello. Hello, how are you doing? I'm all right. I think I've got a problem with tigers in the living room, though. No. Is that the tiger who came to tea? Or... No, no, it's not. That's a brilliant book, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. It's some weird uh, DVD that Nanny's sent to East, which I'm not entirely sure is appropriate, so I might have to, like, sit in and um, and just make sure it's not tigers actually killing things, because it is called... When Tigers Attack. The, uh, it's called Swamp Tigers, the Killers series, Natural Killers, so... Does sound a little <laughs> bit like there might be some bloodlust going on in there. Yeah, so if we hear sort of shrieking and, and wailing, we'll know what's going on and we'll just have to let you go and do your thing, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I've, got, I've plugged in my little laptop, though, so I can wander around the house. This is actually quite good. Oh, really? So you're walking like, like carrying a paper book, paperback? Yes. Oops. Your battery's charged, of course. It is. But I was trying to get on the iPhone on Skype to see if that worked, but I didn't get it downloaded in time. Ah, well, I didn't. Oh, they, they actually put it on the iPhone now, have they? 
Apparently so, yeah. It's an a- application actually called Skype. Right. But thanks, Mark. Mark can be found at um, aspergineering.com, um, where you uh, can see what he's up to, buy his book, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. All that sort of stuff, yeah. I, I suppose uh, you'd have to be living under a rock or perhaps have no access to television or YouTube to realise that there's been a bit of a phenomenon this week. And I will just play a bit of that phenomenon. Do, 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 do. Hi, what's your name, darling? My name is Susan Boyer. Okay, uh, Susan, and where are you from? I am from Blackburn near Bathgate, West Lothian. What's the dream? I'm trying to be a professional singer. And why hasn't it worked out so far, Susan? I've never been getting a chance before, but here's hoping it'll change. I dreamed a dream in time gone by. You didn't expect that, did you? Did you? No. There we go. Susan Boyle. I know maybe uh, musically not everybody's cup of tea, but um, you have to admit, it's kind of seems to have taken the world by storm, doesn't it? I don't kind of... Um, I'm not sure why. Why do you think it is? Is it because it's such an unlikely sound coming out of her? Because she didn't, let's face it, she didn't look like a kind of born performer, although she was very confident and uh, certainly could sing pretty well. Who wants to go first? Rich, have you been, has it, have you been exposed to this, the other side of the pond? I'm pretty sure I've I seen, it, seen it over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I saw it over a week ago, yeah. And how's it being um how's it being portrayed? Is it like kind of um the underdog, um that kind of thing? Or is it look oh, at the, yeah. look at the ugly freaky lady she can sing kind of thing? No, no, it's more like uh large numbers of people can identify with her non starness and um appreciate what she's done, whether the show will have the actual gumption to allow her to win because she'll undoubtedly be better than whoever does um, is another issue. But uh, there are thousands and thousands of these people running around community theaters all over the world with much, much better voices than people realize if most of their entertainment exposure is through these crazy shows, for want of a better term. Good point. So, uh I was I was thrilled when this lady opened her mouth and she sounded as good as she does. I rather enjoyed watching Cowell's jaw hit the floor. And uh, do you think it hit the floor because he thought, "Wow, I'm really surprised," or because he thought, "Kerching, now I'm going to make a bloody fortune." Oh, I don't Even know. More I don't really. Fortune. I don't hold that level of resentment against him. No, no, but, I don't. But, I, don't. I mean, I think he's a genius I mean, just, for this sort of thing. Well, but. just well, maybe, but but I think it was just because she had just stood there and kind of sheepishly shaken her sizable booty at him that uh, that he didn't really know what to expect. I, I think, you know, the, at, in the early parts of these seasons, it seems that you get all kinds. And uh, some people they put on seemingly to ridicule them, and you weren't sure if she was going to be one of those. That's what the setup and, was, wasn't it? Yeah. And then she shows up to be a hero. You know, just an incredible singer, and plus she's got a great backstory about never been kissed, and she's this frumpy-looking woman in her late 40s, and she basically lives alone with her cat, and the whole there's a whole backstory that makes the thing even better. Did he know that going in? Probably. He's got to have. I mean, he's the bloody producer of the show. Isn't he? I mean, he owns the company. I mean, he must Possible. have been aware. I think. I think maybe some of the other the other judges didn't, but I mean, uh, he must have known, or must have had, at least did. had an inkling. 
I don't know. Maybe he didn't. But but she's great. I love her. I'm thrilled for it. I hope they have the nerve to let her win because chances are they're not going to come up with anybody who sings better than that. And I seriously doubt that they will. Mm. Dave, thoughts? It was funny. It was very funny. I mean, I watch it. We watch it kind of, you know, Saturday night, family entertainment and all that. I have to say that I do watch it to take the uh, Michael out of uh, most of them. Uh, so it was one of those moments. In fact, I've had loads and loads of uh, emails pointing me to the YouTube footage, and I didn't realise it had become, you know, she's become this sort of massive epidemic across the world. 36 million views in about seven days. And that's what I saw when I went there. It was just like, oh, my word. But, you know, people go, and in fact, a, a mate of mine's a copper in, I don't know, serious fraud squad or something like that. And he said, he said to me the other day that there's some, uh, there's a couple of women in the, in the balcony at the beginning who I think start to heckle her or something right at the beginning. And even he said, Do you know what? He said, I'm going to hunt them down. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's not what I want to hear from somebody uh, high up in special branch, really. <laughs> I'm sure he was joking, but it's amazing. I mean, it really has captured everybody's imagination. It is. I mean, I, I, I've I've heard lots of kind of theories expanded that actually it's a bit of a kind of, you know, it's a ringer. She, she knew what she was doing, but I, I'm not sure because looking at her, I mean, she can obviously sing, she can control her voice, but she had no mic technique whatsoever. But she was incredibly confident and able to perform on that sort of stage. She didn't freak her out, which you'd sort of imagine it would being the sort of quiet, um, meek individual that she sort of is portrayed to be. And I like that. I like that when somebody goes on and, you know, seemingly reasonably confident, but everybody's expecting something dire, and all of a sudden everyone gets surprised. Yeah. Mark? I thought she was really good. Really, really good, actually. There's a couple of other th- clips on, and- uh, on YouTube as well of her singing other stuff, which is pretty impressive. And at first, I actually, because I don't watch that program at all, when Ant and Deck pressed the, um, the it, one of them kind of went, right, here we go. And oh, yeah, pressed, pressed the CD. That was a very bad impersonation, wasn't it? Nice pressed try. the CD, and then she started singing. I thought they've got some bloody opera singer on a CD, and this is to, like, pull Simon Cowell's leg. And she's just miming. That was my first thought. And then I sort of started to realize that no actually this really is this woman singing and i was uh, very impressed i guess um i mean we sing some of the stuff from Les Miserab in the choir and it's really difficult actually and um and we also have a professional female singer who comes and sings with us sometimes and i would say that this woman's equally as good as her so, yeah yeah, definitely. I mean, it, the, there's that moment. I mean, it can't, I mean, I don't know, it probably doesn't affect everybody in the same way, but there's de- even on YouTube, that bit where, and it's so, you know, it's emotively cut with all the swirly, you know, they really kind of milk it 100%. Oh, uh, yeah. But, but the other it thing- still makes you kind of go, wow, and you get that, t- I got that sort of tingle. And the, the, whole, the, the whole fact that that whole audience are all going, wow, I didn't expect that. And it's like a collected moment or collective moment. But what moment. kind of a world do we live in, though? That's what I've got to say this. <laughs> There's a question. I mean, I find it almost offensive that people were saying to her, well, you looked so kind of weird when you came on stage or so right. sort of like unlikely to sing like that. I mean, uh-huh. who's to say she looked unlikely? She comes from a little village in Scotland where she dressed up to the nines to go to that TV Mm-hmm. program and that is her dolled up 
and I've lived in little villages in Scotland, and all the all the women of that age look kind of like her, but probably wearing like you know uh, shell suits or tracky bottoms or whatever. <laughs> and they, you know, nobody nobody does anything big with makeup up there. Nobody does anything particularly astounding with eyebrows. All the women in Scotland have eyebrows like that. So it's kind of like you know, who are we to say that everybody should be glamorous in in the way that people are in hello magazine i mean well yeah no there it, is that but i mean i think rude, i think but we've, we've seen this before haven't we it's like the underdog winning the um you know the whatever the other cowl tv programs are i mean they sort of milk it but then um it's it's sort of like well yeah it's great that she's overweight or it's great that he's ugly or great that whatever you know wears bottle bottle um bottle, bottle top glasses or whatever but ultimately you know, the public don't buy it in their masses because they are wooed by um, the attractive presentation, and that's just unfortunately the way it goes. I mean, it, it doesn't say very good things about us as a society, but it's it's sort of part of the deal. But she's... I wonder if she might transcend that because she's just so good. I did notice that Elaine Page quickly <clears throat> whipped out a statement saying, um, oh, yeah, we'll do a duet. Let's do a duet. I, I wonder how many hits on, on YouTube Elaine really? Page has had recently. You know, but. Who's that, the blonde in the middle? Uh... <laughs> No, Elaine Page no, Elaine is Page. the singer, the original singer, singer of um, of a lot of those songs. You know, uh, she's a she's a pro. Oh, really? pro the one that but she's the thing about, aspiring okay, to. Okay, the thing about this woman at forty eight years old is that she may just well transcend all of that fashion stuff, and and it may be okay for her to look like that because I don't care what she looks like. She's got a brilliant voice, and yeah. I think maybe maybe other you know we've sort of outgrown being overly fashionable. I think. You know, I still go and buy bloody diesel jeans and stuff. But, I mean, when it comes to, like, wondering whether I'm wearing the right cut of trouser or the right shape of shoe, I'm sort of <laughs> way beyond that. So, you know, if I want to listen to a singer, I want to listen to what they sound like. And I don't care if, they, if they've got their trousers hanging off their arse in the, the most fashionable way, you know. So. Or a lovely floral print dress. Yes. Quite. Laura Ashley. Well, fact. good luck to her. Um... Anyway, she's uh, she's destined for you know. I mean, she's been doing loads of interviews. There's, there's she's hopefully going to make a few quid out of it and won't get sort of spat up, um, chewed up, and thrown out as as a terrible nervous wreck at the other end. So I mean, she seems to be able to handle it. So great. And um, I guess you know, Carol must be thinking, wow, there's another. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's been brilliantly handled. One of those you know, one of those things that they've done again. Sounds like about time for a Loopmasters ad. So loopmasters.com are the number one website and sample CD distributor dedicated to bringing you the most inspirational collections of royalty-free sounds and samples from some of the top producers worldwide. Uh, available in a number of formats, they cover all kinds of music, down-tempo, chill-out, dance, breaks, jazz, trance, techno, and drum and bass. If you need some inspiration for your products, check out loopmasters.com. Uh, incidentally, they're offering a free voucher to download up to 800 megabytes of free loops. All you need to do is email info at loopmasters.com with the subject Sonic State VIP, and they'll get back to you with a coupon code and a URL to, to follow. Uh, incidentally, um, I got an email from Matt, who's the head honcho over at Loopmasters, and he said he'd been away for uh, a couple of weeks on holiday. So um, apologies for anybody who's still waiting for their coupon, but they will get back to you. So um, please do email info at loopmasters.com with the subject Sonic State VRP. And while you're at it, check out looptv.net. It's their new website, and it's a new monthly electronic music production video cast. Totally free, dedicated to production tips, sampling news, competitions, and features on labels and producers working with loopmasters.com. That's looptv.net. And thanks very much again for their sponsorship. 
So, um, what's next? Pirate Bay. That was a fairly major thing that happened this week, wasn't it? I mean, the, the guys at Pirate Bay, uh, which was a sort of site which allowed you... It, all it did was allow you to search links for um, torrents, bit torrents and downloads, really. Uh, and the, the guys, uh, Peterson, Gottfried Svartholmvarg and Frederick Nige and Carl Lundstrom have been sentenced to one year in prison and a collective fine of 30 million kroner, which is about two and a half million quid for um, continuing to run Pirate Bay. Now, I don't know whether or not this is a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, I, I think, Mark, you brought this up, didn't you? Um, what was quite interesting uh, was that uh, in the comments, uh, somebody just sort of said, well, this is total rubbish. If they're going to do this to the Pirate Bay for giving access to copyright material, then when is Google, Yahoo, Windows Live, and all the other search engines going in the dock? Um, I mean, when you take, like, YouTube, it's got tons of copyrighted stuff up there that they haven't, you know, I guess they're working through it, but it's not exactly, they're not rushing to uh, get it done for fear of being imprisoned, are they? Dave? Oh, blimey. Uh, (laughs) uh, How long we got? Well, you've got about uh, 12 minutes, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Um... I think the comment about Google and whatnot is fairly disingenuous because uh, Pirate Bay was actually set up with the intention of acting as a pool for illegal file sharing, and Google wasn't. However, that's not to say that Google are completely squeaky clean, because most kids that I speak to don't bother with torrents anymore, because actually, if you go to a load of the blog spots, they're pretty much, um, you know, a load of them are front ends for copyrighted material software um you know films albums and all the rest of it so uh, i don't know i mean i've i find the whole thing very strange i mean i did i have done a bit of research into the whole pirate bay ethos and what i find quite bizarre is that they constantly go on about being you know anti-corporate and anti the man and freedom of information and freedom of uh, whatever um but there are a couple of things that they, they are part funded by advertising uh, and that was that, that came out during the case. Yeah. So I think Carl Lundstrom is connected to a pharmaceutical giant and is well known for his right-wing political affiliations, uh, namely an organisation called Keep Sweden Swedish, which is a bit of a far-right-wing uh, political movement. So I don't know, you know, it makes me uh, slightly uncomfortable when they kind of try and take what they see as a moral high ground. I mean, from my point of view, I work with some really talented people and they have a right to get paid. So uh, I don't think it was particularly harsh. No, that's an interesting point of view. I mean, I think that Google do have culpability because they own they own YouTube. And YouTube, you know, I mean, they're sorting it out now. But I mean, I would say probably, I don't know, 60% of the stuff up there is probably copyrighted. Yeah. And has been for a long time. And they're not exactly, you know, they're a bit tardy when you kind of apparently or have been. They're probably pulling their finger out a bit now, but I mean, they actively host the stuff. These guys just kind of go, "Oh, here's some over." You know, they've created a search engine, a portal, whereas Google actually actually hosts the stuff. I think there's a key. I think the key's in the name, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Well, and that's true. They have been slightly antagonistic towards. You know, I don't know whether you've seen any of their responses to takedown notices and really they were raising their head above the parapet and in a way i don't think you know a lot of and again i'm not defending the raa or the mpaa and part of my frustration is that small companies like us always get lumped in with these guys as a matter of course 
Uh, whereas, you know, we're really not like that at all. Yeah. Most of the guys I know, I mean, <laughs> all right, you try and do it to make a living. But I mean, if, if your motivation was purely money, I think we'd be classified as insane. But there's a couple of things that really stick in my craw. I don't know whether anyone was aware that um, there was a couple of kids that were murdered in uh, Sweden. And some of the autopsy photographs were actually posted and links put up on the um, Mm. on uh, Pirate Bay, and the father, I mean, bearing in mind, you know, these kids are like two and three, were bludgeoned to death with a hammer, and the father actually approached um, Pirate Bay and said, you know, would you please remove these links? And the response he got was, uh, what's with this nagging? No, no, and no. So, you know, there are... Maybe they're not such nice guys after all. Well, I think it's very easy for them to masquerade as kind of freedom fighters when... They've got their own agenda, I'm sure. Maybe they have. Yeah. I've even heard it said that actually it's um, it's a degree of performance art. Oh right, like the um, what do they call it? The idiots kind of thing. Probably. Well, um, there was a actually quite interestingly there was a quote from the the real pirates from Somalia who said, uh, "Call themselves pirates, we're <laughs> the real pirates." <laughs> so, Rich, any any <laughs> thoughts? Well, I don't. I just heard about Pirate Bay recently. Um, I'm surprised that they sent four people to jail for a year. <clears throat> I'm not surprised that they collected a big pile of money. That's okay with me. Um, in uh, and it's hard for me to get it in context because I don't know much about Swedish law. So, for example, in our country, it seems that rapists get off remarkably easily. Uh, compared to, say, certain other kinds of crimes that I find somewhat less horrendous. And so I don't know how to interpret their jail time in Sweden against the Swedish system of law, because I don't know the Swedish system of law, but it strikes me that putting these guys in prison doesn't really prove or solve anything, and it doesn't prevent anything, and I'm not sure it really makes a point. Uh, the stories Dave just told are very compelling to me and horrible. And if that is, in fact, their approach to these things, then, uh, you know, tar and feather them in the public square for all I care. But I'm just not sure a year in prison is a is a uh, I'm not sure the punishment fits the crime. I think collected a big pile of money. The punishment. Yeah, fits the, the fine. Crime. Why do people pirate software? Uh, I, mean, I know it, why I used to do it, but uh, I don't do it anymore. And I don't see why. Um, why do why do people do it? Yeah, I, I think it's but I think it's partly because it's easy. I think viewpoints change as well, and this is this, this is a this has been I something you've seen over a period of time. In that you know, originally there may have been a thing that oh, it's buggy and it deserves to be cracked, and then people redress that or try and address that, and then it becomes oh, it's too expensive, and then it's oh well, copy protection is wrong, and then it's like well, actually, we're helping you to advertise your product, and then of course the final one is well, I wouldn't have bought it anyway. And actually, I think it's shorthand for, actually, I'd rather not pay for it if I can get away with it. Mm. Yeah, so it has to be, doesn't it? I mean, do you know what? I mean, you know, when I was sort of 20 years old and uh, wanted to try every single piece of software out so that I could learn it, so that I could learn my profession and decide which one I was going to use, I sort of saw that as fair game because it's, you know, I ended up using one that I liked a lot and I bought it. And... When I was sort of like, you know, drunk and living in a cellar in Leighton and, uh, you know, pretty untogether and all that, you know, then maybe pirating software is okay as well because I didn't have a, you know, 
two pennies to rub together, but I earn a lot of money now. So why, why, why would I not put back to something that is basically paying my wages when I earn money? And, and if you want to get software some other way than buying it for the full retail price, then there's a million and one creative ways of doing it. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's so many routes to buying software other than walking into a music store and paying the full retail price. Yeah, and most people have it's sort like, of decent... Go and buy Logic 5 and pay £99 for the upgrade if you want, and it's, it'll save you 700 quid. Or, you know, there's, there's many ways of doing it. So pirating software doesn't make any sense to me at all. Mm. And, and with the amount of decent freeware there is out there. But again, yes. this is lumping the whole software industry in with, let's say, the RIAA and the MPAA. And I think they're very different things. Yeah, well, I think those guys have got it wrong too. Um, but, you know, we've just got to mm. try and... Th- mm. th- there, isn't a, there doesn't seem to be a kind of simple path. So, I mean, there's obviously two diametral... I mean, they must be pleased that they got the result and it sort of sends a message out. But perhaps we should move on to something a bit lighter. I just want to say something else about that as well, though. I mean, I know so many people who earn... 10 times the amount of money that I do or more who insist on pirating software. And I just yes. don't see it. It's, I was just going to say to me, can you get hold of a copy of this for my daughter? And it's like, right. well, no, not really. No, I can't actually, I'm not going right. to do it for you. Yeah. I was going to make that same point that with the increased ability to afford these things does not come the increased awareness of why one should be paying for it in the first place. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, it's the indiscriminate nature I think that kind of riles me somewhat. It, you know, there seems to be no distinction between a lone programmer working from a bedroom in Poland or Microsoft or a ten buck app or a two thousand dollar app. I mean, I've I've made another decision in the last week. Is I was looking at my various websites and I've got to the point where I'm using WordPress for everything, and WordPress is free, but you can donate. And because I'm using it for all my sites and I'm using it so much and it's so bloody useful, I'm going to make a PayPal donation to their site and make sure that I put something back because otherwise it's not, you know, that's the, that is probably the piece of software that I use the most at the moment. So, so I'm going to, you know, I am going to donate something to them. Good for you. Yay. I sound all ranty, don't I? <laughs> no, no, no. It's good. It's good. Hey, how do you Juno? How do I Juno? Hey, would you like to know? That's the entrance to the How Do You Juno competition, which is a Roland uh, competition. Roland US are running it um, by Robbie Ryan. Uh, the idea is basically you take any Juno, whether it be, in his case, it's a Juno 106. You make a little video or a song or a ditty, where he's done both. Uh, you put it on YouTube and uh, you enter a competition. And at the end of it, if it's chosen... You can win um, one of the big posh Juno Stage 88 jobbies. And um, first of all, I thought we could talk about Junos because there's quite a few of them. Dave mm. Spears, I know you've got to go in a minute. So uh, maybe you'd, um, you can you remember your earliest Juno memories? Yeah, walking into a shop and going, 
Wow, it's got memories and it costs less than a thousand pounds. Still too much, though, at that time. <laughs> that must have been the Juno 60, right? It was, right. yeah. Uh, I remember the Juno, si- the Juno 6, which didn't have memories, did it? But it did have um, analog, fully, a fully analogue um, architecture, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so if we want to get train spotty about it, they were DCOs, weren't they? What, in the, in the Juno 6? I think so, yeah. Well, I think they were Juno 60 was the DCOs, and the Juno uh, 6 okay. was the first one. Hey, hey, have I just out-synth-fact you? You could very well have done. I think there should be oh. some kind of sound effect I should play at this point, but I haven't got my hands on one, and the only one I've got is the Tumbleweed one, and I'm not going to play that one, because obviously that's <laughs> wrong. Howard will have to make another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I've got a Juno 106, which I used to love. The thing, the thing about it, because they always had chorus on them, didn't they? The, this is the Juno 6, Juno 106, and the yep. Juno 60. And it's got a particular sound, and you, those pads are just fantastic. Rich, you, I can well, tell you're keen to chip in. I, I was exposed to the Juno 60 upon its release, and like Dave, you, one was fascinated with the idea that for a half or less the cost of a profit, you could have a polyphonic synthesizer with batch memories course the difference was you were giving up an oscillator you were down to one audio oscillator in the thing and thus the need for the chorus because you got to try to make this thing thing sound bigger than it was and it wasn't long after the korg released the poly 6 which similarly was a single oscillator polysynth that had chorus to give it a bit more breadth and a bit more warmth um and initially i poo-pooed these single oscillator synths, and then i started playing with them and hearing them and realizing that they were incredibly useful devices and in my typically uh, jaded old guy fashion, found that each successive Juno was less effective than the preceding one. Until perhaps now, because I understand they now have a product, and I have not played it or heard it, that's based on the Juno 60 or the earlier part of the line and uh, contains their more magnificently modeled sawtooth waves or whatever. And uh, I'd like to hear that. Yeah, we talked about the G- there's the Juno G as well, which has all it's got like sampling, all sorts of stuff. I mean, the, the I think the idea with the Juno range is it's sort of supposed to be affordable and what have you. But yeah, the uh, the Juno the, the thing about the Juno Juno up to the 106, I guess, or the was there was there an HS60 which had speakers in as well? Yes, uh, I like that. They just they they were great for pads because I mean, quite often, I mean, you're not using them for lots of sound effects or what have you. You're kind of mostly using them for for polyphonic work. Right. Uh, Mark, you sounded like you had something to say there. You well, ju- I like the HS60 because it had speakers in it, but I like keyboards with, or good keyboards with speakers in, so I suppose that's just one of my idiosyncrasies, I suppose. But um, having said that, I found the Juno 106 way after it came out by way of the JX8P, which I'd owned for ages, and someone kept saying, listen, you're going to know you should be using a Juno 106 for a bass line. All the dub bass lines in the late 80s were done with Juno 106. Of course, William Orbit, the sound yes, of, um, of bass-o-matic was a Juno 106. But, yeah, and, and, obvious, and I was working out of Beethoven Street Studios, which was William Orbit orbited up to the eyeballs, I think, from what I remember. I think he had something to do with it, or the studio across the road. Can't remember what or which. But I, uh, I mean, I I never bought a Juno 106 because I personally preferred the sound of the JX8P for pads, and the JX8P I think sounds better than the MKS 70, which had a slightly different flavour of sound. It didn't sound as warm, and 
when I sold the JX8P, I bought a JX3P and really loved that, actually. Provided you have the PG programmer with either of those, I think right. they're better. I've I lost a, like I've lost a voice on my 106, but I used to use it for lead lines as well. There's something you could tune the filter with the re, the uh, res and the, um, the 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 cutoff, and it could say, it had a very specific and quite almost f- um, vocal sort of sound. It was quite different. It had, the articulation was quite like a different. nose flute kind of sound. Well, something yeah, I used to use it quite a lot. Use it quite a lot. Yeah, because the JX8P does that as well, where you get like that overtone kind of. It sounds almost like overtone. You know, like that kind of overtone, uh, what do they call it? I don't know. That kind of weird singing where they sing, and uh, maybe it's called overtone singing, <laughs> probably it's actually. Right. Or, or nose flutes have that kind of uh, second, secondary harmonic to their sound, and then it kind of tracks the tone of the sound. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's a wonderful... So anyway, um, th- at the moment, there's only a single entry, which is Robbie Ryan, so he's looking like he's going to win the Juno stage... But you you could got to get in there and do it. There's a, a, everybody's doing these kind of um, these these competitions. It sounds like quite a good idea. One person's entered the competition. Yeah, so far. So they need to get. Oh, well, there's a bloody call to bloody yeah, action. Yeah, come on, come on, guys. <laughs> Maybe there's not that many Juno owners out there. Maybe that's the thing. But I'm sure there must be more. So uh, this is a call. Let's go on, do it, do it. Let's let's see if we can get a posse of people doing it. So do you have to use a Juno 106? No, you just have any kind of Juno. Any kind of Juno. Yeah. Oh, I had an Alpha Juno 1 and an Alpha Juno 2, actually. Ah, Those were I suppose, yeah, good. they would work. They would work. I mean, I don't have them anymore. But, and no. I also had a rack-mounted Alpha Juno. Ooh, what was and that? that was an, I can't remember what it was. An, uh, an MKS 30, it might have been. No, that's a piano, isn't it? MKS 50? Yeah, it was basically an Alpha Juno in a rack. And the Alpha Juno was basically a Juno with an Alpha wheel, wasn't it? Yeah. I remember right. Oh, blimey. And the Hoover sample. The Hoover. Hoover. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, fun, fun days. But, yeah, get, get to it. I mean, there's the, the, the chances are good that you're going to win something, you guys. Um, basically, all you have to do is go to rollinus.com, and there's a great big graphic on the front page, and you just click there, and it'll take you to it. You've got to join the uh, How Do You Juno user group, and then you just upload one, and, you know, that's it. It's pretty, pretty straightforward. So could you help us out, then? Since you're the only one with a Juno. Yeah, my vo- one of the voices has gone. Well, perhaps you could make some loops. Make some Juno loops. If I get time, Juno I'll try. Juno loops and put them on Sonic State. We can download <laughs> them and make tracks out of them. Five voice Juno loops. Yeah, well, we could... <laughs> That's the edit. only problem, because you, yeah, you play the next <laughs> note and it's sometimes not there. With right. mine, I've got to get it fixed. But there's also um, a TC Helicon Harmony G compo with five grand for um entries and you ba- it's a, a vocal harmonizing pedal it sounded quite good and they've got a really good um ad for that and you know basically there's a hundred bucks a week for the most viewed video you've got to go out there you get your Juno, you know your, your harmony g and you um you just make a little video showcasing a song or whatever and the one with the most views for that week gets a hundred bucks then the most viewed gets two grand you know there's a kind of a whole bunch of money going into this sort of user submitted stuff so um generally quite jolly good so we'll have to go for it, which it's actually, this is the perfect time for our Roland ad as we're talking about Junos. Roland UK, uh, we'd like to um, welcome them as a sponsor again. They are pointing us at the Phantom G88, which is the mega workstation with 256 megs of Wave ROM, which is twice the capacity of its predecessor. It's got two ARX expansion slots, so you can stick all sorts of synthesizer expansions. There's a brass expansion. There's all sorts of stuff you can put in there. 
Uh, 8.5-inch colour LCD display with a mouse connectivity, 16-part multi-timbral audio MIDI sequencer with 128 tracks, including 24 audio tracks. Take a test drive. Um, just go to roland.co.uk slash phantom g and um, once again thank you very much to roland uk for sponsoring the podcast roland.co.uk slash phantom g go check it out how are you doing dave because you're you're uh, i know you're in a hurry yes i'm gonna have to shoot i'm afraid well maybe uh, i could get susan boyle to sing on a track wow that would be good i think she might be in demand at the moment <laughs> yeah, <I bet> she <laughs> is. let me just go get rich so you can say goodbye to to dave <laughs> hey rich Hey, guys. God, that was weird. You just disappeared, but you were still in the chat room. I didn't know what to think. Well, it it seems like I had a router crash, but it didn't affect the wired signal. So the thing is, I I use my laptop for the broadcast, and I use my desktop, which is wired, for uh, chat surfing so that I have a bigger screen to look at. And so I was still able to chat, but I didn't. all I heard was white noise, and then everybody was gone. Oh man! Well, Dave is actually going to be gone now because Dave has to leave us. So uh, thanks for. Have you got any white? Can you play us some white noise while you go, Dave? I have a Dave. <laughs> Dave Spears from G4Software.com. Thank you very much for joining us. I know you got to shoot, but thanks for being there. Thank you. Have a good one. Okay. Speak to you soon. Bye, Dave. Bye. Bye. YouTube Symphony. They, they finished it. Did anyone notice this? I did, but I didn't get to watch it. Well, I mean, let me play. They've done a mashup video of uh, of all the people that um, <laughs> that did it. But uh, that was the final um, kind of it was an edit of the final piece. And what they did is some poor soul at uh, YouTube had to edit that. They had 3,000 entries. They edited it all together as of the score. So in the centre, you've got Tan Dunn doing, the, uh, doing his conducting and then all the various people who submitted their videos playing along. It must have been an editing nightmare. And in fact, actually has an enormously much larger number of views than um, the actual performances that were, ju- were just at Carnegie Hall. But um, if you've had a chance to check it out, basically, if you go to uh, youtube.com forward slash YouTube Symphony, because they've got the display of the winners, they've got all sorts of other supportive material, and it's really interesting. They've got a brilliant um, winners display, which is kind of like a layout of the orchestra, and you can click, and it sort of throws up the individual music group, uh, individual instrument groups, and you can click on it, and it, then it gives you a playlist of the people who won the competition and their videos that they submitted. It's really it's brilliantly done, brilliantly done, I thought. I was up and dancing. Were you? But I thought um, we should do a synth jam one of some yeah. kind. I don't know how we do it. Maybe answers on a postcard. I suppose we. I need- know you. You make some Juno 106 loops. <laughs> 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 Rich right, can I'm- edit in the missing voice. Right. Okay. And then and then people can just jam along with it. Yeah. That could be interesting. We could have like maybe just a sort of um, sample and whole LFO or something that stick to a tempo and has just got. And then, and then people can just kind of download that and play along with it. Does that sound like a good idea? Yeah. Mm. And we did it with the, um, 
We did it with the chaos pad, and that kind of worked, didn't it? We so. did. We could do it via YouTube. Everybody's doing it. I mean, obviously, we won't have a five grand prize or anything. Well, no prize at all, probably. What's but, this uh, Live 8 thing, though, that haven't they got some kind of sharing thing that I was watching ableton live 8 i believe so i haven't looked at that yet and it's kind of a premium feature which i don't know enough about really right so i can't really uh, say anything but um rich i think you should you should check out the youtube symphony it's it, it's yeah, quite it is quite good and it's it's nicely done i think i was surprised that they only got three thousand videos to be honest because it was a major splash i mean it was on every single page of youtube for a very long time i thought they would have got more than that it's all those flaky orchestral musicians what how, what do you think the highest proportion of, um, of of submissions was? This is the opportunity for an orchestra joke, which I, I'm afraid I can't participate in because I don't know <laughs> anything about it. Rich, I say, I say, I say. What do you think the highest <laughs> proportion of entries was from? Out of guess. Who would it have been? Percussionists. I, I don't know. No, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, 37. I, okay, I don't know. Here we go. But just for that, I'm going to play the tumbleweed moment because it didn't really go, didn't really go as <laughs> planned. And this, of course, is the Howard Scar tumbleweed moment which i'd just like to for us all to enjoy lovely thanks howard that wind's brilliant isn't it, it is it's very brilliant it works whole, really well over Skype. <laughs> I like the tambourine as well. Tambourine's very nice. Um, right, well, let's move swiftly on to uh, our last topic, um, which I, th- I sent out very, very quickly, and it's not really, um, may not have had much chance to look at it. But there's basically V-Machine software. Uh, for those who might have been following the SM Pro Audio V-Machine, which is kind of a little uh, computer in a box that runs plugins in real time. It's kind of like a... a, a, a a receptor light, you know, the same sort of concept as far as I can tell. They've uh, recently announced the V Machine uh, Rack or the V Rack, I think it's called, uh, which has got more inputs and outputs, and a higher spec computer inside it, what have you. Um, that there, you can download the actual software which runs uh, the V Machine and, and instantiates the plugins that you can then transfer to the V Machine. But you can run that on your Mac, so essentially you can run Windows plugins from within that application, VST plugins and pipe the sound out through Soundflower or whatever into um, another application. So essentially, you can run Windows plugins on a Mac, which is kind of cool, don't you think? Yeah, that's really exciting. I like the sound of that. So That, yeah, leads, you... me to a, that leads me to a quick question, actually, or shall I ask it at the end? No, ask it now. I want to run AU plugins in Pro Tools, and I read somewhere that the Core 2... Um, from native instruments will work as an au plugin host and the rtas version of it will run in pro tools and then allow you to run au plugins via core 2 so does anybody know whether or not that's true well i don't know Before i buy it i don't know to be <laughs> honest it i've never used it uh, i don't know anyone in the chat room know if that's the case or not or it's possible anyone know anybody who knows anyone who knows someone who might know <laughs> i can't help you there but uh, that does remind me um there was talk last week of the um the sound the different sounds of the uh, logic engine and the pro tools engine and rich you said you were going to go and check that out did you get a chance to do that i have not i have not a lot of things came up uh, so no no uh, a lot of things i spent my week in a completely different way than i had expected to so <laughs> did it have anything uh, to do with network by any chance 
did. <laughs> it did. I remember your last words were, I'm just going to pop into the studio. The cable people are coming. It should all be fine. I'm guessing yeah. it wasn't then. Well, it, it helped. No, it was in so far as their appearance helped me to further identify the rest of the problem. Oh, no. <laughs> um, in other words, they, yeah, there were problems there, and that they fixed that, and that works a lot better now. But still, I had other problems in the house, and there's somebody else working there who's putting... Uh, who's putting some demands on the system. And so I wanted to make sure it ran as well as possible. So I've ended up basically replacing the entire thing one time, or not exactly one piece at a time, but I replaced the router first and then discovered that the old airport extremes don't play. So uh, the new airport extremes don't play so nicely with the old airport expresses. So I had to replace those two. Oh, and it took, you know, it took a while of figuring all of that out and not really having a whole lot of people certain about it and i had texts from apple support area places saying yeah when you figure it out call me back and let me know how it worked out <laughs> which is kind of the story of my professional life going back to synclavier and beforehand and going back to memory mode for crying out loud it's like i always run into guys who wrote the software going yeah well when you figure that out let me know all right <laughs> it's like, no okay. that's not what you want really is it it's okay we've, as we've gone completely off topic yeah a friend of mine <laughs> sent me some mixes the other day and he said i mixed these three different mixes in three different things one in ableton one in pro tools and one in logic will you listen to them and tell me which one you think sounds the best and basically what he'd taken um, he'd taken a whole load of stems stereo stems stuck them in each of those sound engines at zero db yeah. and bounced interesting so i thought so I sat and I listened to each of them one by one and I decided which one I liked the most, which turned out to be Ableton, I think, followed by mm. Pro Tools, followed by Logic. And I did that a couple of times just to make sure that I thought, definitely thought that, right? And then I thought, I wonder how different they really are. So I put them all up in Pro Tools and I stuck an EQ on each channel so that I could flick the phase on one track and play it back against itself and all of them silenced the other ones out so i thought that's kind of weird that must mean that they're identical the waveform so how come i'm hearing a difference so then i thought i wonder what happens if i put some other things on there so i tried moving the eq around and sure enough the sound came back so the cancellation stopped as soon as i moved the eq even uh -huh. a tiny amount so then i thought what happens if i put a dither into a channel so i listened to a dither against another one with uh, the phase inverted and i found that i could take the bit depth right down without making any difference at all so my conclusion and i'm probably jumping to a completely a wrong one but i don't i don't understand i can't think of any other reason for this is that when it gets to the mix summing on pro tools it must be doing a, a lower bit depth than we think it is in other words if i'm able to take something down to 16 bit and play it against itself without and it's still cancelling itself out then it must be the same at the at the point where they're summed i'm not sure because the waves are going to be exactly the same it's just the resolution of the waves will be different isn't that right well you'd start to hear fizzy edges on things and stuff wouldn't you, you i mean I, I also don't, tried don't. it with the lo-fi plugin and when i pulled it down to sort of <clears> eight <throat> bit you got like this real kind of <laughs> thing happening which was all the fizzy edges of the differences of the waveforms 
I have a few. Uh, I have a few theories for you here, Mark. Okay. One is that bit depth is not going to represent itself as frequency or phase shift, and therefore what you're hearing, perhaps, is different amplitudes of nothing. In other words, whatever the difference is between a 16-bit and a 24-bit file, it's not in frequency content, specifically. Oh, uh, no, it wouldn't be, would it? Yeah. So, when you're comparing two things in some of the distance, you're basically hearing it mostly based in phase and frequency content, and I don't have any reason to believe that either of those would be affected by bit depth. But what is interesting is that three files that were purported to have been played through three different mix engines represent yes. no significant frequency differences either. No that difference is at all, actually. But, so, but yet they sound the file from top to tail really loud, and when I press the mute button off at one point i frightened the living daylights out of myself because it came on so loud i was just like whoa okay that's nice. definitely cancelled out so wow yeah it, it was quite fascinating because i could hear a difference between them and i picked the same one a couple of times and thought well okay so that one definitely has you know a slightly nicer width and a slightly nicer sort of edge to a particular sound which i was focusing on and stuff and so it did sound different and i was able to tell the difference but right i was that was what i was going to ask what was the difference mathematically mathematically well well the the logic one sounded sort of collapsed and a bit sort of weedy really compared to the others the ableton one had a lot of clarity mm-hmm. and the pro tools one also had a lot of clarity uh the ableton one just had a magical little something about it which almost sounded like it had gone through some kind of mastering or compression process to sort of warm it up. It almost sounded unnaturally mm. good, if you know what I mean. Right. And yet it cancelled out against both of the others. And yet they all cancelled out against each other. So technically, right. in terms of, I mean, without going and looking at the hexadecimal code, which I think you'd have to be insane to try and find differences doing it that oh, way. Oh, go on. I know you've got it in you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, somebody's got a program that'll do that, but... There's another uh, issue afoot here, perhaps, and that is the decade-old uh, floating point, fixed point discussion. And there are advocates of each. Mostly, they're more fervent on the floating point Later side, on. I find. But, but nevertheless, they they claim to have differences in the way things sound. And I'm pretty sure, and I bet you somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, the Pro, to- Pro Tools is fixed point math and ableton and logic are floating point math okay um apparently and and this boy you're about to skate very close to the edge of my understanding of these things but apparently where you have fixed point calculations what happens is there is more rounding going on in the uh, decimal places when you combine any two for example 24-bit signals chances are you're not going to receive a whole number uh, result and so there's rounding going on and it's in the way that that happens that these mixers are supposed to sound different and the way that they handle the math of combining those long word lengths and how much deeper the mixer word length architecture is in order to accommodate that than the actual audio word length so there's a million ways this stuff can change I, I, the fact that it cancels well is fascinating to, where it doesn't obviously sound the same. 
yeah, that is uh, weird. I mean, because really also, easy. what were these? What were the stems originally bounced in, and were they dithered at bounce? You know, there's that sort of stuff that's kind of going to be. Well, that makes a difference, and the fact that I'm actually doing the test in Logic in itself makes a difference because what happens in Logic, you know, I'm using I'm using one of the mix engines that was originally used to make one of the files to test the file golly this is yeah well i'd be very interesting to know if you kind of make any more um discoveries in that and rich it'd be really good to hear um if you get a chance to once your network woes are are completely sorted uh which they may indeed be uh, to what your findings were um, on your 192 hd system with the different yeah. en- different engines there yeah i'd still like to do that because i think I you know I mean, it's what is interesting is there doesn't seem you know in terms of having this piece of equipment or that piece of equipment, you know, there's this endless kind of audio file nature to hardware side, but it doesn't seem to have taken as much of a hold as perhaps it should in in the software side. Because, you know, if we're all using one of two or three, um, then there may be these kind of major differences to the way that all of our stuff sounds because it's coming out of one or the other. But as with all things, in my view... It has much more to do with what's in the hands of the player and in the mind and ears of the engineer and producer than it has to do with the tools that they used. Of course. I have to say that. A lot of great stuff's been made on a lot of suboptimal, you know, we could discuss all day why the conditions weren't, you know, perfect. Is this called the vibe? I think that's what they call it, I'm told. See, I've, I've... The humanity. Recent, uh, just to throw a complete, like, I'm going to go so far off topic now. <laughs> Recently, we're talking about I, purchased, I know. I, well, we'll go back to that in a second. Yeah. But I purchased something called a money Reiki healing meditation from a woman on the internet, which I've been listening to, which is very relaxing, actually, and rather nice to listen to. But she is basically sending energy to you via this MP3, right? Right. So, and it's not a very good quality MP3. She needs to either. use the right mix engine, obviously. Yeah, well, she's she's using a telephone and an MP3, but I'm not going to say whether I believe or not whether she's sending me energy via an MP3. However, if she's sending it, if she is sending energy via an MP3, let's just call that the vibe for a minute. Okay. Um, if she's getting the vibe of her Reiki energy across via mp3 then it doesn't really matter to musicians what they use to get their vibe across because the vibe isn't is clearly able to be picked up in a and now i am saying that oh <laughs> uh, yeah no i understand what you're saying, <laughs> you but, what saying but, so. but i mean by the same token if you know music is um you know all about the space as well isn't it and if the space is not well clearly defined then surely it has it makes a difference so if you've got too much noise in the space, for instance, then won't it uh, affect the way that uh, the, the space relates to the notes you play? Or is that getting a bit um, hmm. overly, overly psychoacoustic? Yeah, well, no, I think it will. I th- yes. I mean, you are recording the space as well. I and mean, there's a mass difference. We've really gone off now. <laughs> there's a massive difference between a Line 6 cabinet emulator and a real cabinet and a microphone. They have a completely different sound, and it's the air between the speaker and the microphone that makes that difference, and I don't think you can emulate air. And that's also part of the vibe. It's like real things moving in the real world sound different to 
you know, trying to emulate them in software. I remember the first time I laid eyes on a piece of gear that had a knob that was labeled air. Oh, was that it was an, e- it De- was an EQ. Decker EQ. Was it Decker? Yeah, it was some kind of an EQ. <laughs> they're really expensive. You get a pair of them. Um, it does actually make a difference. It's not, it, you know, it's like something like 22K shelving EQ, but if you've got decent enough monitoring, you, it does open it all out. It's a monitor. It's a mastering EQ. Yeah. It's oh, not had... really air, though, is it? No. no of no, course it's not. 16K and up. It has a tiny little fan in it that just puffs, kind of wafts air at you. Yeah. <laughs> It turns the fan on in the back That'll of the unit. That would be a good unit. idea. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased that we've uh, discovered and been able to uh, explore these hidden depths in the uh, the, the floating or the just, uh, the fixed point calculations and, and just, such like. Just by the way, Nick, I, I I was very interested in that plugin. by the way, the Apple, the one on the Apple site. Oh, yeah. <laughs> running the VST, uh, the Windows VST stuff in an Apple environment so that you could then access them from I thought it was all very interesting and cool. And uh... Yes, oh, thanks, Rich. You brought it back to... <laughs> Will it run as an RTS plugin, or is it an AU plugin, or what is it? Uh, it's a standalone. It's a, it's standalone. a standalone. You have to pipe it. Yeah, it's... it's yeah, You've got to find a way thing. in and out. But yeah, smproaudio.com, um, go, you presumably go and get it there. It's a free download. I think it's like 100 megs or something. It's quite big, but it's a sort of, I think it's a, some sort of Java-based application. I could be wrong. Often I'm going to go and download that in a minute, actually. It, it's 108.9 megabytes. Marvellous. All right, well, thank you very much. Um, I think probably we, uh, we, we've reached the end of uh, what is feasible with, uh, with exp- exploring this, but I would be very interested to know, Rich, like I say, um, if you no- detect any major differences between the same instances of virtual instruments coming out of the Pro Tools engine or the Logic engine or any other engines you happen to have running at the time. So um, if you do get a chance, I'd love to hear about it. And uh, same, same with you, Mark. If you've got any other um, experiments that uh, you, you think we'd like to know about, great. Let, let's have it, because it was a very interesting discussion. I'm glad we went there. In 2001, that was my job, to work out which audio encoding uh, methods were the best to use with the most the least loss and all that sort of stuff. And I had lots of sort of scopes and things running in Pro Tools and used to experiment around with putting phase against things and basically finding out what things did. So, No, well, brilliant. Well, that, that's exactly the kind of experience that we need for, for checking this stuff out. So thank you very much. So um, once again, thank you to everybody in the chat room. We didn't quite break our record of last week, but we're very close. We're only one under. So maybe next week we can, we can really break it. But thank you, everybody in the chat room, for joining us. So I really appreciate it. Remember, if you haven't been in the chat room before and you want to listen live, sonicstate.com forward slash live is the place to do it. So uh, thank you for my remaining guests. Uh, Mark Tinley, um, I know you've got to go. I've um, got to see to your child who's been very good and not been uh, obviously freaked out by tigers so um, that's great it looked all right actually. i didn't see any killing on the screen actually i think they were just explaining explaining what they did rather than showing an, any terrible graphic detail when so. tigers attack might be the topic the title of this week's podcast actually but thank you very much mark <laughs> uh, mark can be found at aspergineering.com where you can see what he's been up to and uh, that other chuckle there was Rich Hilton, uh, myspace.com forward slash Hiltonius. Um, I guess, Rich, you're probably um, into the studio and get on with all the stuff that um, has been backing up while, while you had your network issues. Yeah, I've got, uh, got a few things to do today. Uh, here and there. So, here uh, and there and everywhere. Well, Rich, yeah. thank you very much. And thank you, Mark. Always that was, great. That was Sonic Talk number 126. Now you say you're lonely. 
tried long night through. Come on and cry me a river, cry me a river. I cried a river over you.